Welcome to the Infinite Spark of Beam podcast. My name is Keith Welsh, and in this episode, I'm going to be reading page 59 from the new Infinite Spark of Bean book titled Ocean, and the piece is called I Used It All. Um, this piece talks about the day my father dropped his body. So I'm going to read this and elaborate on it a bit. But before we get into all that, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Bean and all that that entails, you can do that at the infinitesparkofbean.com where you can find links to the books, t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, art prints, as well as a link to the Patreon page that will allow you to uh, pledge $1 or $5 a month to the Infinite Spark of Bean. So here we are, page 59 from Ocean. I used it all. Let's get started. I used it all. I stood under the house with your father while they carried your body down those old wooden stairs. The same stairs you walked thousands of times before, but this time, this was the last time. Wrapped in a white sheet over the shoulder of a large man, your body was hoisted, hauled, and carried away. Your father and I stood with our backs to the staircase. Don't turn around, he said. But I did. I knew the importance of this moment. I knew that I needed it all, the tears, the death, the finality. I needed to see the limp vessel in such a confusing state. I needed to feel my mind race. I needed to feel my brain scramble. For 30 some odd years, I saw your body alive and moving. And now, it is an empty skin bag of meat, bones, and blood. Go toward the fire. I heard it so clearly in my head. I wasted nothing. I used it all. So my dad, like a lot of people, was very complicated. And I like to think that our relationship was complicated, but the truth is that uh, it was only complicated for me. <laughs> In his mind, he loved me and that was it. Um, there is nothing else to really discuss. So from where he stood, our relationship was not complicated at all. But for me, um, it was it was far from simple. Um, I had a lot of opinions about my dad's philosophy about life, about people, and of course politics, um, all of it really. And he of course had his opinions about mine as well, but I don't think he let it get in the way as much as I did. Um, 
well, this uh, one-way contentiousness ended <laughs> one November. Um, it was the night before uh, Thanksgiving. I was visiting South Florida from Gainesville, Florida, and he and my mom informed me that he was dying, uh, that he had three, uh, stage three small cell lung cancer. Um, and it was like having cold water splashed on my face. It was... It was the first time he hugged me, um, the first time I saw him cry, and it was the first time he said, I love you to me. Um, it was a big night. <laughs> then after that, he instructed me not to tell anyone. So uh, there I was at Thanksgiving dinner, sitting on a bombshell and not feeling so hot. Um, it was really hard. So he had uh, two months to live with treatment. He had six months to live. No, I'm sorry. I'll be the way around. He had two months to live without treatment. He had six months to live with treatment. Um, but they said if they could kill it, he had five years. So with this information, he planned to kill himself. Um, he informed me of his plan, told me where to find the body and what to tell my mom. Um, when he told me, I didn't freak out or anything. I just kind of listened. And when he was done, I told him that I completely understood. But the reality is that if he does this, it'll be the first thing that anyone thinks about when he comes to mind. Mom and I will both be left with that kind of floating to the surface every single time we are reminded of him, which probably would have been every day. In fact, I don't think a day goes by that I don't think about him. Um, anyway, so he decided to have the treatment. They killed it. He lived five years. Um, for more on that, uh, listen to the death and dying episode. I think I get a little more into that. Um, so let's get into this first part. I stood under the house with your father while they carried your body down those old wooden stairs. The same stairs you walked thousands of times before, but this time, this was the last time. Wrapped in a white sheet over the shoulder of a large man, your body was hoisted, hauled, and carried away. So, um, this is kind of wild. When I was about 15, my parents sold their house, bought a townhouse across the street from the beach in a town called Jupiter, Florida. And my dad moved to a place called Port Mayaka, which was and is basically a few houses in the middle of nowhere on Lake Okeechobee. No, they didn't get a divorce or anything like that. They just, I don't know, man. They just lived in separate places for a while. Um, but he bought five acres, hired uh, Seminoles to build him a chicky that he put a raised floor in. He put a half wall around it, screened it in, and had plastic that he would roll down when it rained. Um, he had a gas stove and some sort of shower situation. I didn't I had to do the water pump. Uh, and he lived out there for four years while my mom and I lived in Jupiter. Um, my mom and I would go out and visit him, of course, on the weekends, things like that. Never spent the night because, you know, bugs, but... Um, my mom wouldn't join him until he built a house out there. So he designed and built a house out there for her. Um, this house and the land it was on 
was a gathering place for so many people, so many holidays. Um, my parents were well-liked and had a bunch of friends and extended family. So on holidays, that place would fill up. Plus, it was a place that a lot of folks got married, including me, once. <laughs> um, it was my second marriage, a uh, bit of a mulligan. But anyway, um, the stairs were kind of iconic. They were on the side of the house facing the driveway. Um, the house was pretty big and on stilts and it had a wraparound porch. Um, I can very clearly see my parents leaning on the railing of the stairs kind of waving goodbye when I'd, you know, I'd pull away and head back up to Gainesville after visiting. So these stairs were important. Um, my mom said that, you know, after my dad died, that she could very clear, clearly see him standing at the top of the stairs looking out at the water. Um, he used to stand there and look at the rim canal. But my mom always took that as a sign that she was gonna die soon, but that took another 10 years. Um, and I don't mean she imagined him. I mean, like my mom could see him standing there. So, um, standing there, uh, with his dad under the house that he built, uh, that he designed and seeing his body wrapped in a sheet limp over some stranger's shoulder was very surreal. Um, it was trippy. It was like, part of me was okay with the logic and another piece was like, wait, what? Like, just kind of confused. Um, again, so surreal. So let's look at the next section. Your father and I stood with our backs to the staircase. Don't turn around, he said. But I did. I knew the importance of this moment. I knew that I needed it all. The tears, the death, the finality. Um, so with the death of both of my parents, I found myself working with a few ideas. One would be that I'll eventually be laying in the same position. Um, I'm going to die one day. And hopefully it won't be sudden. Hopefully I'll be conscious like they were. Hopefully I'll be conscious enough to work, you know, work with my mind while I go through that process. Um, the other thing that I realized was that I'll only have the opportunity to experience the death of my father once and my mother once. And if pain is the doorway to awakening and I'm dedicated to waking up and seeing what happens, then this is an opportunity that, you know, it was an opportunity to really do some heavy work. And um, if I don't, then I'll regret it. And I can't get that back. Um, I wanted to face these things with awareness, um, integrity, steadiness, you know. But that moment that he was being carried down the stairs, the incongruity of that moment felt important. Its trippiness felt important. Um, I distinctly remember having the thought, how often will I see my dad like this? And then I watched. Um, you know, these are rare opportunities. And if we can get away from the mind and the confusion of the mind, then we can really make a lot of progress spiritually. Um, the whole thing was very trippy. I know I keep using that word, but I, I don't know how else to describe it other than it was trippy. Um, but it was trippy. Uh, it was the permanent impermanence of life that was so, um, staggering and strange. So this last section, 
I needed to see the lymph vessel in such a confusing state. I needed to feel my mind race. I needed to feel my brain scramble. For 30 some odd years, I saw your body alive and moving, and now it was an empty skin bag of meat, bones, and blood. Go toward the fire. I heard it so clearly in my head. I wasted nothing. I used it all. So earlier that morning, I sat with my dad's body. Um, and it was a moment of true realization where the concept of the vessel became real. Uh, it sunk into my bones. It went from an intellectual knowing to a deep realization. And feeling that shift made me want to push further. Um, what else could I get, you know, what else could I get from it if I just pushed harder? I wanted the confusion and the pain. I thought, I thought of that Rumi poem about going toward the fire, right? If we're going to dedicate ourselves to waking up and dedicate ourselves to truth with a capital T, then we're going to have to face those tender places and push on them. You know what I mean? So life has no shortage of of opportunities to experience pain and discomfort. Um, we have plenty to work with. But people ask me all the time for advice on teachings and books to read, teachers to see, practices to take up, and I'm always, I always come back to the same thing. Stop running. Stop running from pain through spiritual practice. The practice won't cease the pain but it will mitigate the suffering. But if that's the reason you're looking to spirituality, God or whatever, well, you're going to be really disappointed. Um, look, I realize that that's why a lot of people head in that direction and that's fine. But at some point, you have got to realize that being fully with the pain of these life scenarios is the only way out. You can't avoid it. So allow your heart to break over and over again, and not in the hopes that it stops breaking. Uh, your heart will always break, but you do it so that you can become so intimately familiar with that pain that it becomes a friend. It's like, it's a friend that always brings you a new teaching. And I wouldn't say that I'm excited by pain, but I'm definitely curious about it, you know? So that's it for uh, page 59 of Ocean. Um, I used it all. I hope it was helpful. I hope that you found this beneficial. Um, as usual, if you have questions, comments, or suggestions, please reach out. Don't, you know, don't hesitate. I'll always respond, and as I mentioned before, if you'd like to support the ongoing creation of the Infinite Spark of Bean and all that that entails, uh, please do that at theinfinitesparkofbean.com where there is a link to the Patreon as well as a link to the books and other merch like shirts, tank tops, and posters. Um, and as usual, do not forget, you can always reach out. Don't let me get away with anything. Um, you can talk to me. We're, we're old friends. Don't make it weird. Goodbye.